I just sense God is at work today. Do you sense that? And uh, that he wants to do something in your life and through you to make an impact. We're going to talk about that here today. I want to tell first a story about a guy named Lenny Skutnik. Lenny was this everyday American guy going to work and became a modern-day hero, the first one to ever be introduced in a State of the Union address by a president. Uh, some of you know how they do that. They, they, you know, the president's speaking. He goes, no, I want you know, to acknowledge someone up on the balcony. They're always in the front row. The first president to ever do that. Anybody know? Was Ronald Reagan. Wow, very well done. Uh, Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan addressed Lenny Skutnik. So why was Lenny the guy? On a cold January night, frigid cold, 40 years ago, 1982, a plane took off from Washington, D.C., and due to the ice that formed on the wings in the engine, the plane couldn't get the lift, and it struck the 14th uh, Street Bridge. Some of you know Washington, D.C., and you see that right there. The plane uh, fell into the Potomac River and uh, this icy river, and it was a terrible, uh, you know, it was a terrible situation. Some passengers managed to get out before the plane sank. They cried for help as they're trying to stay afloat in the icy river. Lenny Skutnik had just left work, was walking nearby, saw the plane go down. Here's the cries of the passenger. Doesn't even hesitate. He just jumps into the river, this icy river, fighting the river's current and frigid temperatures. Uh, Lenny managed to save the life of a woman who they say otherwise almost certainly would have died had he not uh, jumped in. A couple weeks later, Lenny Skutnik is up in the balcony of the House of Representatives, like you see him there, as, uh, introduced as a real American hero on national TV by President Ronald Reagan. In a few moments of courage and self-sacrifice, Lenny Skutnik became something that suddenly gave his life dramatically greater significance. He became a rescuer. Now here's what I want us to know. Did you, are we aware that God has that in mind for every single one of us? Maybe not diving into the icy Cuyahoga or Potomac or whatever, but he wants to use you and me as rescuers for people who need a rescue. And who is that? It's all of us. It's me, it's, it's Brian, it's you, it's all the people around you. Why do we need a rescue? Because we need Jesus. We are born into a sense of brokenness. Listen to what the Bible says about our condition apart from the Lord. It says we're separated from God, living in darkness, lost, condemned, perishing, without hope and without God. I mean, total crisis, right? So a couple of questions. Are we really convinced that those descriptions are true? Do we really believe that lost, without hope, perishing? Pretty stark language to describe our lives apart from Jesus, right? And here's the second question. If those descriptions about us are true, then what are we compelled to do? Like, what, how do we relate to the people around us? The Apostle Paul, whose writings we've been looking at in 1 Corinthians, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Christ's love, what? Compels us. It moves us to action. When you really see people like Jesus does and you love them like he loves them, you're willing to jump in no matter the cost. You become a rescuer as you partner with Jesus. And that's the theme of our scripture today. 
I titled it, Flexing My Rights for the Good of Others. Let's turn uh, to our next section of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, if you don't have a paper Bible, the Bible app, great place to look. And I uh, want to say hi to folks at our other campuses, Homestead Falls, to our friends at uh, Lorraine Correctional. Guys, looking forward to your baptism service in a week. And, and then those of you engaging online. And I want to say a specific hello to those of you who are either in the hospital, like one of my teammates, Duffy, who was in a devastating motorcycle accident on Friday. Duffy, we love you. And uh, Jesus is with you there, Metro Health. And, uh, and we're looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. Others of you, you're stuck in a hospital or residential facility or wherever you might be. And um, thanks for joining us today as we dig into God's Word. When we talk about flexing our rights, we're not talking about like flex your rights, like you flex your muscles, like you want to know my rights, I'll flex my rights. We're talking about adjusting your rights, right? Surrendering your rights, saying, Jesus, I'm willing to lay my rights down um, for the good of others. That's what we're going to see the Apostle Paul talking about here. And, and so in chapter A, we looked at last week, Paul says, you need to weigh your behaviors, what you do and don't do, not just on what you want to do, but you need to take into consideration other believers who are newer in their faith and what it means to, to adjust your behavior in order to not cause them to stumble or to fall back into some kind of behavior that they're like, oh my goodness, I'm drifting away from Jesus again. In chapter 9, Paul turns their attention to those who have yet to believe. He goes, I want to urge you to adjust your rights, to do whatever is possible, to remove obstacles that might keep people around you from coming to know Jesus. So we're going to end up reading a lot of chapter 9, but I want us to zoom ahead to verse 22 because this one statement summarizes Paul's MO, uh, his entire theme in chapter 9. And here's what he says in verse 22. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might rescue or save some. What I want us to do is pull that verse apart, just look briefly at each phrase, because this really does encapsulate how Paul reached out to others. And it sets a great example for us to say, what am I willing to do as a rescuer if I'm on mission with Jesus to make a difference in the lives of people around me? So four parts. He says, I'm going to become all things to all people using all possible means in order to save some. In fact, would you, can we say those four aloud together? You ready? Let's say them together. All things, all people, all possible means save some. Here's how he starts. He says, I'm willing to do all things. Cliff's Notes version of what Paul's talking about here in the bulk of this chapter, if you're following along in your notes, which you can get online at gracemy.org, or those of you here, just pick them up on the tables on your way in. But Paul says this, I'm willing to give up my rights to make any personal adjustments, sacrifices that it will help me to find common ground with people around me who need Jesus. That's how desperately he wanted to rescue others. He goes, I, I, I'm willing to give up all my personal rights. And he talks about what that meant for him in verse one. Let's just read the first several verses here. And this might seem a little bit like distant to us, but we'll explain in just a second. He says in verse one of chapter nine, <clears throat> am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord Jesus? Are you not the result of my work on the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. What Paul's saying, and if you know the history, is that these people came to Jesus just a couple of years earlier when Paul visited them and told them about Jesus. So he's going, 
Like you, you owe your life to me spiritually. He gets, says in verse three, this is my defense to all who, those who sit in judgment on me. Because some people were, you know, giving him a hard time. He says, don't we have the right to food and drink that you would provide? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? Let me just pause right there. Paul's saying this, he's going, hey, friends, I am like, I'm as much of a Christian leader as anyone else, and yet I haven't traveled with like a spouse. I didn't take a salary from you. I didn't, even though I deserve one. Why? He goes on in verse 12, he goes, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we, here's the key phrase, we did not use this right. Why not listen to his motive? He says, on the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. And again, dropping down to verse 15, I have not used any of these rights. And the motive, again, verse 19, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know what? I, I could assert my rights with you. I could demand certain things, and I would be in my right to do so. And he says, I, there are things I could just go, I, I'm gonna make these demands of all of you, but he says, I'm not gonna do that because I want to clear the deck and make it as easy as possible for people to put their trust in Jesus. So even if it means, he says, hardship for me and difficulty and some challenges and, and not experiencing the benefits, privileges that I think I have, he goes, I'll lay all of those down. All things, he says, so that you can know Jesus. So what does that look like for us? Like, let's zoom forward to the 21st century, and what might that be like for us? What might we do to say, God, I'm willing to put my rights down, I'm willing to put myself in uncomfortable situations in order to help share the good news of your forgiveness uh, and compassion and eternal life with, with uh, people around me? Let me give you an example. And this is different than what we might expect. Um, but it's a guy who enjoys sailboat racing, and he's a Christian, and here's what he writes about his experience. He says this. He says, my crew is made up of nine guys, and they're not the kind of group you'd likely encounter at a Sunday school picnic. Sailing protocol requires the boat owners and crews to gather at the yacht club after each regatta to verify the race results, settle any protests, and to receive the prizes for first, second, and third place. He says, I'll give you three guesses what everyone does while the race committee is doing its work. That's right, they eat lots of ice cream. No, they don't. No, they consume alcoholic beverages in massive quantities. I can't tell you how many times I've stood in a circle of eight to 10 mildly inebriated sailors as they argue endlessly about the race. And I find myself thinking, what am I doing here? The language is foul, the egos are out of control, why am I here? And then I'll sense the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, you're building bridges. You're establishing trust. You're laying groundwork for conversations that might happen a year from now. You're doing the kind of thing that Jesus did. He's a friend of sinners, right? That guy has seen several of his sailing buddies come to know Jesus. He's made adjustments to what kind of environment he would prefer, given up some of, you know, the, he's been willing to be in awkward settings, why? Because he says, I'm willing to do all things, all things, 
to rescue. Now, are there some limits? Sure, you'll see in your notes it says this, there are still limits to my flexibility. In fact, Paul talks about that here. Sometimes you'll hear this verse abused. Someone will do something that's way over the line, a betrayal of their faith, and they'll go, well, I'm just trying to be all things to all people, you know? And Paul would go, no, that's not what I'm talking about here. Listen to what he says in verse 21. He's saying, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. That was to Gentiles who didn't know the Jewish law. But he says, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. His point, he made adjustments. He, he gave up his personal rights, but he was always surrendered to Jesus. There were always guardrails in his life. You know, and for instance, the guy who was sailing didn't get inebriated like all the other guys. Um, he, he, there are limits for what a Christ follower is willing to do. You don't dishonor Christ. You say, I'm willing to do all things short of sin to help other people come to know Jesus. All things. Next phrase, Paul says, I become all things to, to whom? All people. All people. Every single individual matters to God and he wants them found. Listen to how Paul puts it, the people he mentions in verse 19. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. In other words, he's saying, I'm willing to abide by things I don't even think I need to in order to, you know, help people come to know Jesus. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, although, like we just read, I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Do you notice what Paul says here? He mentions Jewish people and non-Jewish people. Paul was Jewish himself, but he says, I'm not only concerned about people of my own ethnic background. He says, I want everybody. He, he was willing to break down all cultural and ethnic barriers to say, I, I want everyone to come to know Jesus, every color, every language. He had the heart of Jesus. More on that in a second. Can you imagine, though, if Lenny Skutnik... Guy at the Potomac River, you know, he's there, the plane goes down, he sees someone in the water, he goes, hey, hey, let me just ask, are you an American? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, are, are you a Buckeyes fan? <laughs> oh, Wolverines, okay, sorry about that, let me see. Hey, hey over here, are you, are, are you a Buckeyes fan, right? You're, you're like, that would be crazy, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't discriminate, and so you'd say, any person who needs a rescue, I'm gonna rescue, right? That's what Paul says, he goes, it doesn't matter who it is. What about for us? It's the person you work with. It's the guy or girl that you sit next to in a class. It's the people who live in your neighborhood. It's the person who serves your table at the restaurant. It's the boss that you really can't stand or a coworker or the person at the family reunion you wish wouldn't show up. It's the individual at the rec center who's working out on the machine right next to you. It's whoever it might be. You just go, God, I, I, it's all people. That's what Paul says. And you know, it's, it's really why, as a church family, we say we're going to do all things we can to reach all people. One example of that was last week at um, Cuyahoga County Fair. You might be aware there's about 50 volunteers from Grace, and they had a booth, like a tent, at the Cuyahoga County Fair. And they had some snacks inside. People come by, and they would engage in spiritual conversations. 
And so um, they had hundreds of conversations. And did you know that in, despite like four partially rain-soaked days at the county fair, they saw 102 people pray and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Amazing. Let's give you one example. There was a there was a 19-year-old girl who walks into the tent and she's like, "Oh, what are you guys doing?" And she probably saw the snacks or whatever. And and so they have a conversation. And so the person from Grace says, "Well, one of the things we're asking people is if you could know for sure that your afterlife forever would be in heaven, would you would you want to know?" Her eyes got really big and she goes, "You're not going to believe this." She goes, "I was awakened." last night with that very question in my head, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. So I called, I called my grandmother, and I asked her, how can I know for sure that my afterlife, I'm going to be in heaven? And she goes, and then I come to the very, and you've asked me the very same question. She goes, yeah, I, I, I want to know. So they sit down and talk with her, share what it means to know Jesus and why we need him, and she put her trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe she's here today. If you are really grateful for you, And, and maybe your one is going, can I really know for sure? Do you know that the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, it says these things are written, 1 John 5, 13, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not guess, not hope, not wonder. You can know that you will have eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel. And we do all things to share with all people. It's also why we've started in the last 20 years, Grace is started like a dozen churches or campuses in, in the area. Uh, I sort of like being one big happy family, but if we can reach more people by starting new campuses, we go, God, we want to do this. Why we invest so much in missions and all kinds of different projects around the world. You know, we have probably over a million dollars a year, uh, it is, over, that we just go, God, we, we care about people. And we have a number of folks from Grace who are living overseas long-term because they're, they say these, these people matter to Jesus. And so Drew and Michelle and Don and Hazel and Patrick and Carol and Andrew and Esther and Jessica and Drew and Michelle and Jim and Jamie, and we could mention some other ones. Why are they doing that? Because they go, because lost people matter to God and he wants them found, he wants them rescued. We have a, a magazine that's available for free. There's some in the lobby. Maybe they've all been taken, but it's called Alliance Life, and you can get it for free to your home. I'll put it in my email this week to the church family if you get that. But this one right here, it comes out about nine times a year, but just saying what's happening around the world. How is, how is the good news of Jesus getting to the hard, hard places? People matter to God. And you know what God promises? There's gonna, and, and heaven's going to include people from every nation, every culture, and, and every uh, language. And, and here's what it says in Revelation 7. John, the apostle, gets a peek into heaven, a revelation. That's why the last book of the Bible gets its name. And he says this. He goes, after this, I looked. This is what heaven's going to be like. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. You and I, if you put your trust in Jesus, you're going to be part of that group, and may it be that we go, and I was part of the rescue of some of these people, and they're in heaven today as a result. And he talks about people from every language and tribe, and that's why even at Grace, I love the growing diversity at Grace, because it's a, a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like, right? And so if we can experience some of that here, man, I can't wait. It's going to be 
It's going to be amazing. Paul goes on. He goes, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. You could say it this way. We're free to be creative in how we reach out to others. He wants you to use your God-given gifts and interests to build relationships. You adapt to the people around you. You say, wow, God, I, I, we sort of have this shared interest. Or, and so for their good, you say, God, I'm going to use every possible mean. That was Paul's example in verse 20. He says, when I was with Jewish people, I, I, I followed Jewish customs. When I was with Gentile people, I followed their customs as long as it wasn't out of bounds, you know, denying Christ. With those who are weak, I share their weakness. Uh, here's his goal. He says in verse 22 in the New Living Translation, I try to find common ground with everyone. That little phrase, common ground, what would that look like for you and me? I wonder, what do you enjoy doing? You just go, I, I'm sort of passionate about this got this hobby, I enjoy doing this, that you could invite somebody else into. Do you know this is how our classic car cruising began years ago at Grace? If you're not aware, Thursday night, when it first began, there was like maybe 10 cars. Now there's, you come out here on a Thursday night, we got our minivan out there, you know, and I'm just teasing, we don't, we, but there's over 250 cars out there, all these beautiful classic cars. That was started by some people at Grace who said, we love classic cars, we love Jesus, what if we combine the two? And, and we can start having conversations with other people from all over the region uh, about, you know, about our faith. That's why, that's why that began. Uh, you might be more into pottery or motorcycles or sailing or, uh, you know, photography, whatever. What could you do to say, maybe I could invite someone else into that? Paul says, all possible means. Maybe you do with other people. One example of Grace that made it into the news this week, um, a group from a volunteers from Grace helped to beautify one of our local schools, the courtyard, and uh, they were so excited. They called a, you know, a reporter and it made the Cleveland.com to become a, an inviting space for students, and, and others of you are giving to help students uh, to be prepared for school. <coughs> Paul says, I want to use all possible means. You can get creative. Here's what each of us as followers of Jesus can say for sure. We are on 24-7 mission with him. Every day, everywhere we go, whatever we do, when you go to the rec center, you go to the muffler shop, you go to the, your workplace, uh, every part of your day can be an excursion into the possibilities of what Jesus wants to do when you can say, God, what might you be up to in this waiting room right here or in this whatever? I... What if we looked at our everyday life like that and said, I am on mission with Jesus? Heard about a woman named Eliani who met the pastor on her way out of service and she was fairly new to the church and, and so in the course of conversation, as often happens, you know, pastor asks, well, you know, what do you, what do, you do during the week? And, and uh, expecting to hear her occupation. And she said, pastor, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. <laughs> That's a person who knows who she is, right? That she saw her job as a machine operator, not as her identity. That's not who she is, it's what she does. It's an opportunity to influence her fellow workers for Jesus by her work ethic, her integrity, her words, her kindness were on mission, and we use all possible means.
to say, God, I want to reach people. One last phrase from Paul. Verse 22 says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save all people. Now, what does he say? He says some, right? Paul was a realist. You and I can do everything possible, giving up our rights, getting creative, gripped by the fact that every person matters to God, but we can't force them to grab a hold of the life preserver, right? There needs to be a sense in their own, like, that they, and so Paul says, um, you can do everything, you know, in the power of Jesus, but he doesn't knock the door down. They have to be willing to open the door of their heart. You know, maybe you've been praying for someone, you're reaching out, and you're thinking, man, there is no hope. Like, I see no signs of change. Can I just tell you something? Don't give up. Don't give up. God is in the business of raising not just sick people, but dead people, right? He's in the business of rescuing people who feel hopelessly lost. Tonight you're going to hear some stories. If you come to the baptisms, we have 10 people giving their story about people who are going to say things like, I was so far from God. Like, I, there was, I thought there was no way back. Uh, next week when I'm with some of you guys at Lorraine Correctional and you, you, some of you get baptized, that's going to be your story. You're going to go, I, it just, it, I was not the most likely candidate. We could all say that, that God has rescued us from a place of despair or pride or whatever it may be, so don't give up. Jesus wants us to do all things for all people with all possible means to say, I'm working in the hearts of some people around you. Let me close with this. Ron Hutchcraft reminds us of a um, situation, a true story, how in a matter of seconds in Turkey, cities were reduced to rubble by a killer earthquake. And in a terrifying moment, countless people were suddenly buried underneath twisted steel and concrete. And as always in a disaster, their lives that depended in that moment on one hope-giving imperative, and that would be the rescue of other, by other people. Ordinary people who just instinctively go, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going into the wreckage. I'm going to be like Lenny Scott. I'm diving in. And I, I want to be a part of bringing desperately needed hope to people who might have a chance to live. Well, it, it wasn't only the people in the surrounding of Turkey. The calls reached places like Fairfax, Virginia. And there was a team from Fairfax, that, uh, a disaster rescue team, that responded immediately and were on the ground within 48 hours in Turkey beginning the work of rescue, finding a handful of people who are alive today because of their efforts. And one of the rescuers was interviewed uh, from Virginia. And he was asked, what keeps you going when there's so much disappointment, so much death? And his answer hit the nail on the head. He said this, he says, until you've been part of a team that's saved someone's life and seen the look on their face when they come out of the hole, you can't understand. It's something you can't put a price tag on. You can't put a price tag on it, right? Especially when you've seen someone's life not just saved physically, but you go, they've been saved for all of eternity. You know what, we, we saw some of the things about what we're like apart from Jesus. 
When you encounter Jesus and you trust in him, you know, you know what happens? You become a friend of God, living in the light. The Bible says you're included in God's family, forgiven and set free, full of hope, dearly loved, confident in Christ, looking forward to a home in heaven. You can't put a price tag on that, can you? Can you? So are you in? Are you willing to be part of the rescue team to say, God, I'll lay down my rights. I'll be willing to be in awkward situations. I'll, 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 I'll sacrifice however needed, God, because I want to be involved in helping people to encounter you and to know you. Is that your heart? I, I want him to use us more and more than he even has, and God has done great things through this church family. But let's pray for ourselves that we'll see people like he does and let's pray for the people around us. Would you join me in that? Jesus, we thank you today that you're in, at work in the lives of people around us even when we can't see it. Lord, you're softening hearts. You're giving people who seem so hardened, you're giving them a sense of dissatisfaction with what the world offers. You're causing their doubts to crack and to wonder, could it be that Jesus is the one true God? That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Lord, we pray for the names that have already come to our minds of people around us who need to be rescued by you. Lord Jesus, soften their hearts. Uh, give them a, a, a growing hunger for you. And then, God, would you use us? We want to be on mission with you. Jesus, use us however you desire. Help us to be willing to lay down our rights, to take risks, to be willing to sacrifice. Uh, Lord, whatever you call us to do to say, Lord, if that's gonna help people come to know you, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. And so God, here we are. We feel inadequate, but you have all the power and resources needed. So fill us with your spirit and make an impact through our lives, we pray. For the glory of your name and for the sake of people who need you, we pray. Amen.